I do have um, a word for you this morning, and I literally can't think of a, a more important word. Um, will you guys hold your Bibles for me if you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, um, I'm speaking for Pastor Keith. He'll get you one, all right? Um, but I want you to hear this, um, and I want you to say this. Um, the Bible is true, amen? Can we say that together? The Bible is true. I'll never forget my first year in college. Uh, I sat in, I think it was a psychology class, um, and um, the, the professor stood before all of us, and he said, anyone who tells you that they know truth is an inconceivable egomaniac. And so I remember thinking to myself, don't do it, don't, don't do it, don't do it. But I raised my hand and said, well, I can tell you truth. I, I can tell you truth uh, uh, about how we got here. I can tell you truth about, uh, about why we're here. I can, I can tell you truth about life and death. I can tell you truth about sin and salvation. I can tell you truth about eternity. I can tell you the truth about how it's all going to end, but I know you're not going to believe me. Because this truth has a prerequisite that comes in order for you to believe it. And I didn't even give him a chance to respond. And I just said, that prerequisite is you being made alive to Jesus Christ. And, and once you're made alive to Jesus Christ, you're made alive to this truth. You see, whether or not anyone wants to boldly say it, Christians are really the only ones who know truth. We're the only ones who know absolute truth because we have God's word that is inspired by God, that is authoritative, that is inerrant, that is complete, that is sufficient, that God himself says that we have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Now, God doesn't mince words. When he says everything, we have everything. The word of God as Christians is, is, is all we need to be saved, to be sanctified, to be convicted of sin, to be motivated, to be, to be trained, to be encouraged in hope. God wrote this one book with 66 parts, and in it, he told us everything he wanted us to know. Everything that is necessary for us to be spiritually sufficient is right here before us in his book. Everything we need to know about what God expects of us. Everything we need to know uh, about what God desires, about what God wants, about what he will do is found right here in the Bible. It's revealed for us. Listen, when you know the scriptures, you have the mind of Christ. And it is impossible to be more sufficient than to think the way that God thinks. In his word, he has given us the ability to evaluate, to judge, to assess everything in our lives. Everything. And, and I literally, I stand at a pulpit every single Wednesday, every single Sunday, and I'm screaming, dig in, people. Like, open this thing up. Dig in. Get in. Read, learn, grow, memorize. Every single week, we have the truth, the only truth. But I'm afraid something has happened. I'm afraid that the Christian culture today has become a culture of babies. 
I'm afraid that we've become a lot like what uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, who I believe wrote Hebrews, in chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 says, when he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you guys and, um, and, and I want to give you some truth, but it's really hard um, because some of you have been Christians so long, but every time I come there, I have to teach you again the elementary truths of the faith. He goes, I want to give you, you know, spiritual food, but you got you to have the Bible again. And I think what's happened is in our Christian culture is that there's, there's just so much where people just want to get from someone else and, and not enough of us going to the mountain ourselves and going to the source of truth ourselves and finding God in here. I don't know if we're amazed enough that we have everything we need right here. It's the truth. Like, I... I I stand here telling you this is all you need for your life and godliness. This is the truth. But this truth is under attack today, maybe like never before. We live in a culture of moral relativism where people like to say, oh, your truth is, is your truth, and my truth is my truth, and it's okay, and you're okay, and everyone's okay, and you can believe, and, and I can believe. And I know why. I know why the truth is under attack today, because Satan hates the truth. He knows its power, so he will never cease to attack it. But the word of God is not just being attacked by the world and those on the outside. The word of God is being attacked from pulpits and so-called theologians and in churches all over America and the world today. We have pastors and Christians and books being written asking questions like, is the word of God really inspired by God? Is it really God's word or is it man's word? Is it really inerrant? People are asking these questions. Christians, pastors, does it really not contain any errors? Is it really complete? Like, does it contain everything we need? Or do we need more? Do, do, we, need, do we need more? Is it really relevant? I mean, here we have this antiquated book and it's old. Is it relevant for our lives today? Is it really sufficient? And what we find ourselves is a culture filled with the opinions of men. But Paul sits there and tells us, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and empty deceit after the traditions of men. Listen to me. You don't need opinions. I got opinions. You got opinions. They're probably different. I have a hard time explaining my own opinions. We, we, we don't need more opinions. We don't need more traditions. We don't need more psychology lessons. We don't need more ideologies. We need the truth. And the only place the truth is found is in the word of God. Would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 19? There is no passage of scripture that gives a clear testimony to the veracity and sufficiency of the Bible than Psalm chapter 19. I call this passage God's own defense of scripture. Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. I'm going to read the whole thing, and we'll kind of break it down from there. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the simple wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than, than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. For who can discern his own errors? 
And, and, and who, who can declare me innocent from hidden faults? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, that passage is, first of all, amazing. But what you see is some repetition there. Six times in Psalm chapter 19, you hear the phrase, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord. Six times we hear that his word is of the Lord. Why? Why? Well, because it's, it's not a book written by men. That's why. God is affirming here that it is God-breathed, that all scripture is breathed out by God and inspired and profitable for us. It is not the opinion of man. This is not a human book. And you know, that, that's what Christians have always believed. From the beginning of time, even in the Old Testament, even if you talk to Jews today, this book is not a human book. It is only recently that people have began to believe inside and outside the church that this is some kind of a human book. Six times, of the Lord. There's also six titles for scripture here in Psalm 19. The law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, and the judgment of the Lord. And those are used all throughout Scripture to give you a multifaceted look about the Word of God. The Word of God is like a diamond. It's like a jewel, right? And it has all of these faces. And depending on which way you look at it is depending on the title that you get. There's also six characteristics of Scripture here in Psalm 19. It says it's perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, and it's true. There's also six benefits of Scripture here in this passage. It restores the soul, it makes the wise simple, it rejoices the heart, it enlightens the eyes, it endures forever, and it produces comprehensive righteousness. Now, if you would, for a minute, look at verse 7 as we can kind of nerd out on this passage. Verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord. This is speaking of the divine instructions of God. The law of the Lord. This is speaking of God's manual that he has given to us. And in it, it has all that we need to live life to its fullest. Here's God's set of instructions to us. Here is his manual on how to live life to the maximum, a complete explanation of God's will for man's life in time and eternity. That is scripture. He says the law of the Lord. And then he says it's perfect. It's perfect. Now, when you and I think of the word perfect, we think without blemish. And certainly the word is without blemish, but in the Hebrew, it means more than that. It, it means a, a perfect as opposed to incomplete. It means it's comprehensive. It means it's perfect as in it is finished. It, it means perfect in that it means you can't add anything to it, and you also can't take anything away from it. Nothing can be taken from the word of God. Nothing can be added to it. It is everything it needs to be, and it is lacking nothing. The law of the Lord is perfect, and what that is saying is God's divine instructions for man is lacking nothing for your life. It is lacking nothing and possesses everything. It is completely sufficient for your life. Now, this 
perfect set of instructions? What is it able to do for you? Well, it says there, Lawler is perfect, and it, it revives the soul. This perfect set of instructions is able to revive your soul. The word soul there is the Hebrew word nefesh. It's translated 21 different ways in the Bible, but it just refers to the inner man, right? The eternal person, the one that matters. Not the material, temporary self, but that, that, that eternal person. The law of the Lord, his divine instruction is fully comprehensive and flawless. It is complete instruction for our soul, for the inner person. Scripture is designed to target all of its power towards the inner person. Did you hear that? That's what its design is for that which really matters. What is scripture able to do? What is God's word able to do? It's able to revive the soul or restore, refresh, convert the soul. The best way to translate this word is to transform the soul. Literally, it totally transforms. That's the best translation. The law, God's divine instruction for man, is lacking nothing. It possesses everything, and it is able to totally transform your soul. Is that not an amazing line, speaking of the word of God? And that's just one of six. That's what it's able to do here. Scripture is so utterly sufficient for soul transformation. It can transform you. The Bible is always targeting the soul. The Bible is always targeting that which matters most, and that is your eternal being. Soul transformation is the same thing as born again, as, as new birth. That's why Paul says to Titus, we are washed by the regenerating power of the word. What's he mean? The word has power to transform. That's what? Not in the mechanics of the preacher. Not in the skill of his communication. Not in the uh, creativeness of the slide show. It's the word of God that has the power to transform. In and of myself, I have no power to speak anything to you that has any effect over your life. The power comes from the word of God. And so I would say to you this morning, if you want to see total transformation in your life, it starts with the word of God. Total transformation in your life or any area of your life is a work of the word. It's a work of the word. It's not going to be human uh, effort. It's not going to be a creative opinion that changes your soul. Total transformation only comes from the word of God. Let's look at the second part of verse 7. Not only the law of the Lord perfect and able to transform your soul, but the testimony of the Lord is sure, making the simple wise. Starts by saying the testimony of the word. This, this is speaking of God's divine witness. His testimony to us. This is God's witness. This is God giving his own testimony of who he is, of, of what he desires, of what he wills, of what he expects from us and what he will do. This is his testimony to us, the testimony of the Lord, his witness to us. And I love this next phrase, the testimony of the Lord. It's, it's sure. It's sure. 
It is the only book that's testimony is absolutely sure. Of all the millions and probably billions of books that have been written, there is only one book whose testimony is sure, and that's the Word of God. It is absolutely reliable. It is absolutely unwavering in every sense of the word. It is able to be trusted. You don't need to take anything away from the word of God. You don't need to add anything to the word of God. You just need to follow the word of God. You you don't have to put in your own opinion. You don't have to take away the things you like or don't like. You just have to read it and follow it. Why? Why? Pastor, why? Because it's a sure word. That's why. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. It's more trustworthy than anything in the universe. You don't believe me? 1 Peter chapter 2, the apostle Peter is talking and he says something that's probably one of the most amazing statements in the New Testament. He says, for we didn't follow cleverly devised myths in verse 16, when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son whom we are well pleased, we ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. What's he talking about? He's talking about when he was with Jesus during the Mount of Transfiguration. And, 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 and he saw Jesus transfigured before his eyes. He saw the resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ in all his glory, in all his power, in all his holiness. He sees Elijah, he sees Moses, and they're glorified. It had to be one of the greatest experiences of all time. Can you imagine seeing that? But listen to what he says in verse 19. And we have the prophetic word, which is more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention to, as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter says that the word of God is more sure than anything else, more sure than experience a glorified Jesus Christ right before his eyes, more sure than any miracle, more sure than any prophecy. It is a more sure word. Why? Because it's not some man's interpretation. It's not someone's opinion. No, 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 no. It is God's word carried along through the Holy Spirit inspired by men. You see, Scripture was not given by man or any private organization that they were able to interpret and manipulate. But the Word says, holy men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So Psalm 19 says that we have a sure word. What is that sure word able to do? Well, it makes the simple wise. It makes the simple wise and it makes the wise simple The word for simple there means open door. A simple person is a person with an open mind. You know, in today's day and age, it's a positive thing to have an open mind, isn't it? Some people say that all the time. Well, I have an open mind. 
I have an open mind towards this, and I have an open mind towards that. Every time I hear that, I want to say, well, why don't you close it? Why don't you close your mind? Listen, if you don't, as a Christian, if you don't have the discernment of what to keep in your mind and what to let out, that's not a positive, that's a negative, okay? As Christians, we have the word of God. We have to know when to close our mind. We, we have to know what to let in and what to keep out. Literally, the word for open mind is the same word that, that we get our word agnostic from, right? Agnostic, that people say, I'm agnostic, I just, I just don't know. And that, that's, a, that's a good thing in our culture. People say, well, I'm, I'm not atheist and I'm not a believer, but I'm, I'm agnostic, and they say it in a proud way. The, the word agnostic literally comes from the, the root word ignoramus. It does. You can look it up. I mean, this is the truth. I'm not making it up. I've never heard anyone say, I, I'm so proud to be an ignoramus. <laughs> you see, Christians aren't supposed to be people with an open mind. If you have an open mind, close it before you destroy yourself. How do you close it? How do you know what to let in and, and what to keep out? How, how do you know? Psalm chapter one says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. The Bible says, how blessed is the man or woman who shuts out what needs to be shut out from their life and who lets in what needs to be let in. I tell students this all the time. You're not benefited by sitting in a classroom while someone mocks the word of God. There's no benefit in that there's no benefit in you surrounding yourself with people who have anti-biblical worldviews. There's no benefit in getting counsel from those who do not know the truth. There is zero benefit there. We have the truth, and it is complete, and it is sure, and it is sufficient for all of our needs. There is no virtue in exposing ourselves to lies and deception. In contrast, the Bible says in Psalm 1, meditate on the word day and night. Be like a tree planted by rivers of water that yields fruit in season, that has leaves that don't wither. Whatever it does, it prospers. Shut your brains to all that destructive stuff. Close your mind to lies and deception. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and it will make a simple person wise. What does that mean? It will make you skilled in practical living. It will make you able to apply the word of God to your life. Why? Because God is always the source of wisdom, and he has laid out that wisdom for us in his word. We have everything we need. If I say it once today, I want to say it a hundred times. You have it all right here. So we have seen already that the law of the Lord is perfect and it will totally transform your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and reliable, able to make a simple person wise. Here's number three in verse eight. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Precepts, some translations say doctrines. These are not nice ideas. These are not abstract truths. These are not floating realities that become truth when you experience them. No, no, no. These are absolute truths. These are doctrines. These are precepts. These are the statutes of the Lord. These are divine doctrines for everyday life. That's what the word of God is. I hear this all the time. 
People say to me, you know, pastor, sometimes you're just too doctrinal. And I say, everything in the Bible is doctrine. It means truth. Truth, truth known, truth communicated, truth experienced, truth understood. Scripture is divine doctrine and it is right, he says. It's right. The, the word of God are right. But listen, it's not right as opposed to wrong, which that is true. It is, it is able to expose to you a right path. Psalm 119, a, a, a path, the right path for your light. It's a lamp, it's a light, it's a path. Psalm 119, the law of the Lord is a lamp into my path, a light into my feet. This is the way you walk. That's what it's saying. The word of God shows you the direction to go. This is how you go through life's maze. This is how you navigate this crazy, sin-sick world. This is how you wander through all the dangerous roads of our culture. Right here, it's the precepts of the Lord that show you the right path. That's the light of your life. And in the process, the Bible says you do it with a joyful, rejoicing heart. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Why? Why would you be rejoicing? Because you're on the right path. That's why. Because God's word has shown you the right path and you are able to rejoice because you're following that right path. Scripture, the doctrines of the word, they, they create a right path for our life. They create a right way to think about every situation. And when we are on the right path and when we are thinking about things rightly, we are able to walk and think in a way that produces joy. You need to hear this this morning. True joy comes from following God's word. That's what the word of God says. I know sometimes we look for it in every literal other place. But true joy comes from obedience to God's word. I love the prophet Jeremiah where he is beaten and they, they throw him in a well and he still says, I have joy because I'm the only one obeying the word of God. 1 John 1, 4, these things are written that your joy may be full. The question this morning is where do you find your joy? Where are you looking for it at? In your spouse? I'm gonna let you down. In, in your kids? They're just kids. In, in your job? It's not there. Where do you find your joy? True joy comes from the word of God applied to a right living, a right kind of life, walking the right path. That's why the Bible says, let the word of God dwell in you richly because joy doesn't come from what you have. Man's life does not consist in abundance of possessions. It doesn't come from self-indulgence or self-gratification or self-promotion or some self-fulfilled ambition. Solomon proved that. Lasting joy comes from the word of God, known and obeyed. That's it. People ask me all the time, people even make fun of me for how much time I spend in my study, and I find great joy in studying the word of God, in preparing for the word of God. Sheer joy in preaching the word of God, because I know that joy comes from the word of God, known and obeyed. Luke eleven twenty eight. happy are those who hear and obey the word of God. That's where joy comes from. 
Statement number four in verse eight. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Commandment speaks of God's divine decrees, his, his divine mandates. Okay, these are not suggestions. Amen? Anytime God speaks, it is a command, it is authoritative, it is sovereign, it is binding, it is, not, it is non-optional, it is the commands of God by God to man. These are his commands to us. And the word says they are pure. But a better translation is, is that they are clear, that they are clear, that they are easily understood, that they are accessible. It speaks to the clarity of Scripture, that that Scripture gives us clear direction for life. Now today, people want to tell you that the Word of God's not clear. They want to tell you, oh, it's, it's muddy, it's, it's dark, it's ancient, it's out of date, it's irrelevant, it's antiquated. How could you possibly grasp its true meaning because of its age? But, you know, that didn't stop Jesus from saying to people, have you not read? Have you not understood the scriptures? And you know what? He says the same thing today. You're living a life that's not in obedience to the scriptures. He would say, have you not read my commandments? Have you not read my statutes? Have you not read the law? Have you not read the testimonies of the Lord? And it was made everyone responsible for it. And just some honest, real talk right now, because maybe you've said this, and I'm not trying to bag on anybody, but I get this all the time. Pastor, I, I, don't, I, I can't understand the word of God. All, all the time people say, I, I can't, and I know there's degrees. People say to me, I don't understand the word of God. That's why I don't read and study the word of God. With a little bit of prodding, most of the time I find out that they never even really try. People, there are more resources for you to understand the word of God today than ever before. There are more apps. There are more good pastors. There are more Bibles. There are more than ever before in the history of the world. I have an app on my phone called Dwell, and it literally reads the Word of God to me. And I can even pick the, the, the kind of accent that the person reads it to me in. All right? It's called Dwell. You need to download it. Like, we have no excuse not to read and study the Word of God. That's the truth. Scripture is clear, and it enlightens our eyes. This sometimes escapes us, and I said it already. You need to understand that we as Christians are the only people who see things the way they really are. Did you hear that? That's it. We're the only people who see things the way they really are because we're the only people who see things biblically. We're the only people with a biblical worldview. We have the mind of Christ. That means we think about things the way God thinks about things. We understand life and death. We understand the origins of everything. We understand sin and righteousness and where it comes from. We understand how the whole thing ends. We get the gospel because we're the only ones with the truth. That's it. And that's not pompous, that's not arrogant, that's God's word. That's it. Scripture enlightens our eyes. Look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. In the Bible, especially the Old Testament, the word fear uh, is a way to describe worship. Awe, respect of God. It's clean and it endures forever When he says fear, what he's saying here is that the Bible is our manual for worship. 
the Bible, the fear of the Lord, the understanding and awe and reverence of who God is, is our manual for worship. Understand something. I wouldn't know how to worship God without this. He tells us how we are to worship him, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. He lets us know how to worship him. And we have to worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. That means that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everything in life starts with the true worship towards God. This is our manual on worship. And it is clean. What does that mean, clean? What does he mean? When it means it's free from error. It's free from corruption. It's free from defilement. If there is any one sentence or passage in the entire Bible that speaks to the inerrancy of Scripture, this is it. This is our manual on worship, and it's free from defilement. We don't have to worry about worshiping God falsely because he's given us the manual. And it's like Psalm 12, 6 says, the word of the Lord is pure like silver tested in the furnace seven times speaking to its purity. Pastor, what's the evidence? What's the evidence that the the word of God is pure? Well, he said, it endures forever. Listen, anything touched by sin or defiled experiences death, amen? The word of God endures forever. Every generation, every nation, every language, every tongue, every person Jesus said, not one dot or iota uh, will pass away from this law until every bit is fulfilled. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Do we believe that? Like, you got to ask yourself that question today. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Do we believe that or do we believe the Bible needs an update? Do we believe it's like our phones 2.0? Do we believe that the Bible needs an update? Or do we say with the psalmist, forever, O Lord, your your word is settled in heaven. The word of the Lord is our manual on worship, and it's free for error, and it's eternal. Look at the last part of verse 9. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. When he says rules, these are our judgments from the divine bench. This is the judge. And he, he, he gives his verdicts down in his word, and they are true. I love saying that. The word of God is true. It's, it's true. And that's a hard sell today, isn't it? Isn't it? The word of God is true. Every bit of it is true. It's settled in heaven. That's the reality. What the word says about creation, what it says about sin, what it says about salvation, It's true, and because it's true, it can produce comprehensive righteousness. This this book, it can produce comprehensive righteousness. It's sufficient. It's complete. You don't need anything else. That's why this book ends in Revelation 22. Don't even think about adding or taking away anything from it, because it's true because it's permanent, because it's sufficient, because it's complete. Let me land this plane with this. This morning, do you want permanent, lasting joy? You, you want peace? You, you want satisfaction? You want a purpose in this world? Well, the word of God produces that. 
Do you, do you want the dark things in your life made clear? Do, do you want all those things that you're unsure on, those relationships, those decisions, do you want those things cleared up for you? Well, the Word of God does that. You want a source of truth that's pure and clean and free from error, and never changes and endures forever? The Word of God is that. Pastor, I just want to be a new person. I don't want to be the same old person that I've always been. This book is able to totally transform you. Like the Word does that in your life. Do you know how valuable that is? This is the most valuable thing we have. This is it. It's the most valuable thing in this universe. You can't even put a, a scribe of value to it. It's able to produce joy, comprehensive righteousness, transform your life, make the decisions and the directions of your life from muddy to clear. It's able to do all of that. And it's the most valuable thing that we have. And I don't have time to go on, but the psalmist in the rest of Psalm chapter 19, he has a hard time even expressing how valuable it is. He says, it's my greatest treasure. It's more valuable than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It's the only thing that can expose my sin. It's my only thing that I can get rewarded from. It's the only thing that protects and provides and purifies for my life. Do you have any idea how valuable this is? No, because most of us just want someone to feed it to us. We live in a culture today that it's baby culture, baby Christians. Here's the bottle. Here's the bottle, Paul says in Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11, this is weird, guys. That's what he says, basically, modern translation. This is weird. You guys still are needing people to hit you with the bottle? He says, this is weird, guys. Some of you should be teachers by now, or his exact words. Some of you should be theologians by now. It's all here. I mean, it's been 30 years you've been a Christian. It's all here, and we still don't know it. Don't let another day pass where if you're looking for joy, you don't find the right place. You're looking for direction, you don't find the right place. Don't take this word for granted another day. It is the greatest treasure. It is God's instruction. It is God's divine testimony. It is God's rules. It is God's truths. <laughs> It is God's word from heaven to man, and it is everything we need. Let me pray for us. Father God, I pray right now that you are impressing through your Holy Spirit how valuable your word is, that it's the greatest treasure on earth, that we wouldn't let another day pass where we don't pick it up and read it. We don't, we don't let another moment go by where we're not meditating on the Word of God, where it's not on our mind and on our lips. We're not teaching it to our kids. God, I pray that today you'd convict us, man. You'd be like a, you'd be like a, a knife pierces the bone and the, and the marrow, and it just exposes us, and all things are laid bare this morning by your Word. And we would be convicted by the fact that we don't know it well enough, that we don't study it enough, that it's sufficient and it's everything we need and we still don't put the time in. Father God, don't let us be babies anymore who need a bottle, but let us be mature for it is complete and sufficient. 
God, I pray that this rings and resounds in the hearts of your people, for we are the only ones who know truth. Let us leave here acting and knowing like it. In Jesus' mighty and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.